0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to That's What B Said. Meredith, I lost what episode we're on, but we're now just going by games. So we are on game three, the Bears recap and looking ahead to Minnesota. But I'm your host, Bree, at Clee on Twitter, and I am joined by Miss Meredith at MKON Sports. Hello.
1: Hello. So I numbered the episodes at one point, and then even I lost count. Yeah, like we started a season two... But I don't know if like we really started a season two. That was kind
0: of just in our heads,
1: maybe. <laughs> so yeah. we, we are, Well, we'll th- if we think about it, we've been doing this since 2019. That was when we started. We're actually um, on.
0: Are we on a t- almost our two year anniversary? I think yeah. it was like right around October.
1: Yeah, we are coming up on our two year anniversary of doing this podcast. Now, granted, it was in the works long before because I think yes. October was when we started, but it was in the works long. Yes, long very before true. That. Yes, so the it feels, we, yeah, we were it feels like long.
0: And then we burst <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> we, burst it. we did. And that was, yes. we had a really rough first few months um, with our newborn podcast. And, and not because of us, but because that was the Freddie Kitchens era.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw and I, I sent this to our group chat. The Greg Williams jokes on Twitter today. Yes. Were... Killing me. And I was just like, there are some days that Brown's Twitter makes my head explode, but when they come through <laughs> with the Greg Williams jokes, and I'm just like, I, you guys understood the assignment. I was so pleased. <laughs> so,
0: you know, I got a time hop. I think it was yesterday's time hop, or maybe it was today's. So, two years ago, which it feels like that feels like a lifetime ago, but it was only two years ago, was the game that we beat Baltimore. Remember, it was like the fourth game of the season
1: oh, with yeah. Freddie
0: Kitchens. And we like won in really, I mean, dominating fashion. Like we owned that game. Like it just came easy. And we were at the top of the ASC North coming out of that. And I remember, I will never forget this moment. I was traveling for work when, when that used to happen on the West Coast. And I wore all of my Browns gear to the airport and i remember i was like with a bunch of steelers fans and i was like number one in the division like gosh (laughs) like this is so good and i'm like man if only i had the foresight at that time to understand like how the rest of the season would play
1: out i mean we only won what two more games after that yeah well and that game was wild yeah that game was complete fool's gold too because yes everything that happened in that game was what we had expected from this team for a full 16 games for a full season like this was like Freddie Kitchens was supposed to be just so bizarre. Yeah, it was like so what weird. an outlier. I know because I don't know why I was thinking about it today because it's probably because it's literally my life and that's all I think about. But I was thinking about rookie quarterbacks <laughs> this morning love that especially like what my mom's like why why can't you find a boyfriend and i was like because i'm not thinking about because i think about rookie because <laughs> I, I spend my spare time thinking about rookie <laughs> quarterbacks um but yeah so especially since the browns just ran over justin fields last weekend which will we will get or into justin. but um But the reason I was thinking about rookie quarterbacks is because Justin Fields just bombed in his debut performance. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been doing that well. And there's a third rookie quarterback and his name is escaping me right now. But he also hasn't been doing that well. And it feels like there's Zach Wilson. And then um, who's the other dude? I don't know why I'm blanking, too. Yeah, he's with the is he with the Patriots? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. But. They're not doing well at the moment. No, like, especially none of Trevor. Them are. Yeah. Like none of the rookie quarterbacks are doing all that well this year. And it it got me thinking about the Browns and their run of, I don't know, what, twenty-three quarterbacks exactly. over the course of ten years. Yeah. And it feels like people are so surprised that Justin Fields is struggling and that Trevor Lawrence is struggling. And I was sitting there thinking, like, but that's what happens. Like the reason why Jacksonville had such a high pick and the reason why the bears had such a high pick is because they were terrible football teams so then they go and they draft the best quarterback available to them in the draft but they don't have the talent around them for them to be successful and that's one of the the struggles with trevor lawrence and then with justin fields matt nagy just did not do anything to set okay. him up for success we got to like, talk about at we gotta all talk about this so we will but yeah but that's what i was like thinking about with these rookie quarterbacks <laughs> is that they're supposed to be on bad teams and i think that was one of the reasons why the browns were just in this perpetual cycle of of suck yeah of the terribleness. Of suck. yep yeah for 20 years is because they'd be the worst team in the league they get a high pick get a quarterback but they didn't Fail. have the talent Yeah. And it was just it was a vicious cycle because the GMs were just never were able to put the talent around those quarterbacks. Or if they did, you had coaches that didn't know how to use that talent. So everyone's like, oh, my God, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, my God, Justin Fields. And I'm like, but that's that's supposed to happen. Like they're kind of in this rebuild phase where it's supposed to take two to three years before they're better, and that's where the Browns are. They're in year two of Kevin Stefanski. They would have been farther along if it wasn't for that Freddie Kitchens year, but yep. it feels like between Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, the Browns are being fast-tracked like to where they're supposed to be after – having the number one overall pick and using it on Baker Mayfield. So I don't know. That was just my rookie quarterback thought that, you it's know, your random thoughts <laughs> that, well, I, that I spend my time thinking about, because what else would I think about? No,
0: I, I'm with you. Before we started the recording the show tonight, I was just telling Meredith, the baby is going through a four month sleep regression. And for all of you parents out there that have dealt with this, you understand that it is exhausting. It's just like a period of time or multiple times in the middle of the night that the baby will wake up like wide awake and like not be hungry, like needs consoled, but like can't cycle themselves back into a rhythm. So then it just becomes a, we are just zombies walking around Mm -hmm. our house. And then there's a sickness that tore through um, with my older kids. So yeah, zombies. But I too was up this morning, like thinking about, the game on Sunday, <laughs> like, and then what this is three days removed from the game. Yeah. And I just still have all of these thoughts. And so I'm actually really happy that we're recording tonight because hopefully if I do get a full night's worth of sleep, I won't be waking up thinking about these things. So I know, you just
1: wake up at night because because you were a Justin Fields fan when he was in, yeah because right? you're an Ohio State fan yes and I'm not like
0: huge Ohio State homer like once they graduate from Ohio State like sure I want them to do well like I was actually a really big Zeke fan in college mm-hmm. Um, when he was in college I loved him but like I've never really been set on any specific Ohio State quarterback I will say that like I have always really gravitated towards their offensive weapons like running mm-hmm. backs wide receivers Um, I really like seeing what they do and I feel like those are the positions that have had the better success as they move on to a professional career. I mean, it's, it's no surprise to anyone. Like this is not new news. Ohio state hasn't done a great job at producing professional quarterbacks. And that's fine. Like I think they have a very specific type of play. They typically do better with a running type of quarterback that sometimes doesn't necessarily translate into the NFL. Um, I think Lamar Jackson is a special unicorn when it comes to like, He was put in a perfect position to utilize his skill set as a running heavy quarterback in that Baltimore position. I think previous Ohio State quarterbacks that may have been built for that weren't necessarily put in better positions or they were told to go be
1: a wide receiver. So Yes. That is I I hate that for Lamar Jackson so much. That is the most annoying thing. Yes. Ever. When when someone yeah, when when someone who wants to be a quarterback, someone who's meant to be a quarterback and has the skill set. And they're like, oh, but you run fast. So go be a wide receiver. Right.
0: So Justin Fields, to me at Ohio State, was always a little bit of the exception where he actually had a pretty strong pocket presence. And so I felt like he, out of all of the previous quarterbacks, probably had the best chance to maybe translate in the NFL. So I was happy for him that he was selected pretty high up in the draft. Now, saying all of that, I saw his debut on Sunday against, obviously, my professional football team, and I want to talk about this for a minute. So, when they announced Justin Fields as the starter, when Chicago announced him as the starter, you know, I was like, "Great, I hope he does well like long term, but I hope he has a miserable day on Sunday because I'm a Browns fan, Oh ultimately. no! Like, and I know that sounds like very mean. And that you tweet, for whatever reason, it. you manifested it, it, it. I really, I really think I did. I'm sorry, Justin. <laughs> you um, did it. <laughs> But I had a few like buck nuts, like jump in and be like, why would you want that? You're a Buckeye fan. And I'm like, well, because my professional football team is the Cleveland Browns. Like that would actually be the best case scenario for me is that Justin Fields has a really bad day. I I just have a really hard time wrapping my head around. There are people out there that specifically root for players. But I'm like, okay, so then are you rooting for a. Thirty-two different NFL football teams. Like I'm. It's just a weird so thing. That's like a
1: very. It's like a very NBA thing because there are people yeah. who are like LeBron James fans, and so yes, they're Cavs yes. fans, and then they're Heat fans, and now yes. they're Laker fans. There's people who are Dwayne Wade fans. Um, my my best friend from college is. She loves football like more than almost anybody that I know, and but for whatever reason, she's never really gotten into. The NFL. Like she was born in New York and then she grew up, you know, her later years in DC and we met when we were in college. So she doesn't really have any attachment to the New York teams because she was really young when she left. And the Washington football team is just not a team that you wanted to support for the longest time. But we got to college and, you know, we're both diehard obnoxious Virginia Tech fans. And because, you know, we're both equally obnoxious about Tyrod Taylor, she tends to <laughs> cheer. <laughs> for whatever team Tyrod plays for. So for four games, she was a diehard Cleveland Browns Aww. fan, but like, she and she does that. And when she travels, cause she has to travel a lot for work, she'll go to football games, even if she has no rooting interest. Like in 2019, she went to a Chiefs game because she had a business trip in Kansas City. And even though she had zero rooting interest in the Chiefs or whoever they were playing, I forget who they were playing that day, but she got tickets and went to the game anyway, cause she just loves football that much but she has one player that she follows and that's Tyrod Taylor. That's amazing. But it's interesting that Bucknuts are so weird about yeah. Justin Fields because if you if you talk to any professional football player they, you know, of course they support their the college that they went to because that college is the reason they're in the NFL. Right. But you're not going to see, you know, if you have an Ohio State alumnus and a Michigan alumnus on the same team, like they're not going to be at each other's throats. They're right. teammates, they're brothers, you know, they're, they're so dumb. You know, they're, they're in the same platoon. They're on the same team. They fight for the same colors and professional football players can let go of that hate that comes with rivalries. But for whatever reason, fans just can't, because like you remember how toxic the Bucknuts were. When Andrew Berry drafted Donovan Peoples Jones, and now that he's producing for the Browns, they go back and they delete all their tweets that were wishing this poor kid ill, you know. Well, and, and
0: remember when they were harassing Jabril Peppers at the CVS? Yes. <laughs> oh mean, my come come God. Yes.
1: <laughs> so it's so strange. I feel like if professional football players, who are the actual people playing the game and representing the, those colors, like if they can let go of the hate side of the rivalry. Like, I don't understand why fans can't, because you'll see uh, guys like I know with Nick Chubb being a Georgia guy and he's got a lot of LSU guys on the team. They're all SEC. So I'm sure they like rib each other and they'll do some trash talking, but they don't like hate each other. Sure. So I don't know. It just maybe that's my PSA of, you know, you can want Justin Fields to be successful because that reflects well on Ohio State. So you can wish him well. But when he's playing your team. Like, you could, you know, like, were there really Cleveland Brown Bucknut fans who really wanted Justin Fields to have a good day? I don't know. And I think, I, so I think the
0: difference is uh, there's, I know that there's a big crossover of Browns fans that are Buckeye fans, but I also think there's so many Buckeye fans out there that don't actually have an affinity to an NFL team. And for the longest time, obviously, the Browns weren't good and Cincinnati was probably subpar. So like when you're in Columbus in that setting specifically, and I know that there's Buckeye fans all around the country, all around the world. But when you think about that, in that sense, like you probably didn't root for your hometown NFL team or your Ohio born NFL team because they weren't good. Like it was really Mm -hmm. easy to root for the Buckeyes on Saturdays because all they do is win. It was really difficult to sit there and watch a team just consistently be bad. So I don't know. I would think that Browns fans that are that were Buckeye fans were not rooting for Justin Fields on Sunday. Um, I wasn't. I mean, I didn't want to see him get embarrassed like he did. And I have to rewind <laughs> because we have to talk about this. So yes. the Browns, obviously, the, the entire talk has been about the defensive performance that we saw Beating the Bears 26 to 6. And honestly, that score probably should have been like 45 to 6. But for the third week in a row, I, I do want to talk about this a little bit. I don't think they played a complete whole game. But on the flip side, it was kind of like watching the 2021 Cleveland Browns play against the 2019 Cleveland Browns. A little bit like I almost felt like we were watching our new team beat up on what we traditionally had always been used to seeing March out on the field.
1: Yeah. And that goes back to my thought about rookie quarterbacks, because for the longest time, the Browns were always dealing with a rookie quarterback or a perpetual backup like Brock Osweiler. So, right, yeah. So (laughs) it really was like looking at the Bears. It really is like looking at old Browns teams because it's a team that is one of the worst in the leagues. So they had a really high draft pick. They used it on a quarterback, and the quarterback's not panning out, or at least after one game. I'm not going to say that because Justin right. Fields has a potential to have a very long and very successful career in the NFL. But after one game, he looked horrible, and well, I don't and I think, think the- it's completely his fault. But yeah, like, yes. that's exactly it. It was a, a Browns team playing like the ghost of their past, the co- the ghost of Cleveland Browns past.
0: Yes. And I said to my husband, it was funny because, you know, I've been, we've been so conditioned to losing and, you know, feeling bad for ourselves that I almost felt bad for the bears. Like I I was sitting there like, Oh, like, don't be too hard on them. Like, let's take it a little bit easier. I'm like, no, you know what? Like how many times did we have to endure this? Like endure this pain and this hurt and this embarrassment week after week? I mean, how many different ways did we find out how to lose a million so like yeah, for they're... once we were on the other end of setting records, but like in a good way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we ruined this fan base. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns did that.
1: I mean, this fan base was already pretty tired. I have a few friends who are Bears fans and they were already exhausted <laughs> going into oh my Sunday gosh. and it just, it, it did not help um, sacking Justin Fields in almost almost double digits was not helping this fan base. Okay. We have to talk about this. So yes. I wrote
0: in the rundown. This is all I could think of. I'm such a loser. I was calling it saxy time. Like, sexy? <laughs> Woo! The Browns. <laughs> so lame.
1: Um, oh, my God. They
0: recorded nine and a half sacks for the day, uh, which held the Bears offense to a total of 47 yards of off.
1: Oh, my God. It was the the Browns defense. The Browns defense was barely on the field. Just they were like, just not on there. Because like, because if you're it was, looking what, at the
0: 43 a- snaps, which it's is like, like nothing.
1: Yeah, because if you were looking at the average times of each of the drives, the Browns were taking anywhere between four and five minutes uh, for their drives. Most of their scoring drives. I don't know if they had any that were long- I think their longest drive was maybe about eight minutes. But yeah, the Browns were, were the Browns offense had the ball for four to five minutes at a time and the bears offense would have the ball for like two minutes at a time. I know. So they were really short drives. They got, Oh gosh, I wish I still had my, I had, I wish my stats were in reach. They're like on the other side of the room, but I think they only had, I think they had less than half a dozen first downs. Like it was, it was just absolutely insane. And what was really funny is I know one of the talking points going into Sunday was how is the Browns defense going to handle Justin Fields because he's a mobile quarterback. Like that is what he was known for at Ohio state. And two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row, the the Browns were really troubled by mobile quarterbacks. Like Patrick Mahomes figured them out. Tyrod Taylor figured them out. And you know, if Tyrod hadn't gotten injured, then that Texans game could have gone very, very differently. And that was always, like what we were looking at was, okay, well, Justin Fields, known for being a mobile quarterback in college, this could really give the Browns defense trouble. And he was completely immobile. immobile. Like he would he would he would snap back, he would step back two, three steps, and then just stay there. And his offensive line just could not stop the Browns defense. I have a feeling that if Justin Fields actually did run, it would have been a very different game. but and I don't know why they were not putting him in a position. Where he could have taken off if he wanted to, because that would have been a completely different game for the Bears. But instead, he would take the ball, do his drop back, and then get hit. It was almost (laughs) as if they,
0: like he just like played into the Browns' scheme, like defensive scheme. It was so bizarre. Like it was like a video.
1: Yeah, it was like it was like Madden on easy mode.
0: Yes. Okay. I want to get into this because I did not put in our rundown the rival Reddit board. Uh, however, I did spend a lot of time on the Chicago bears, Reddit board over the last couple of days because I empathize with their fan base. Like how many times, like I said, was this the Cleveland Browns that put out a performance that was record breaking in a bad way or dominating the national media because it was, I mean, Meredith, the conversations coming out of this game were, did Matt Nagy specifically try to sabotage his quarterback, his rookie quarterback to oh my God, tell the- everyone I told you so that he wasn't ready? I mean, these are the storylines. The
1: Bears have been the talk on Good yes. Morning Football and on First Take because I have both of those shows on at work. Um, and obviously we don't have the sound on because we can't, but... Uh, we either have closed captions on, or we can see the um, the lower third graphics, which talk about the 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 topic that they're discussing. And every time I look up at the TV, I feel like they're talking about the Bears. And yes. yeah, it's you know it did Matt Nagy sabotage Justin Fields? Should Justin Fields have started? Like should hit should it have been Nick Foles? Um, oh my, you gosh. know is is a Matt mess. Nagy's job in trouble? Like I have seen no less than half a dozen. Different Bears topics, and I was like, I was thinking, I have never in my life ever seen Chicago Bears be that hot of a topic on the national right. TV shows. Like, when did the Bears become the team that everyone wants to talk about? Well, I it's think crazy because it's because it's, yeah. like, it's usually like Cowboys, Patriots, and then whatever you know, and then recently Buccaneers because that's where Tom Brady is. Yeah. And then whatever teams were in the Super Bowl, so like the the Eagles the year after their Super Bowl, the Falcons, like so that that always seems to be where the national conversation is, is the the big nationally popular teams, sort like, you know, Cowboys, Patriots, and then whatever teams were in the Super Bowl. And yeah. like that's it. But now all of a sudden you've got the da Bears.
0: Because there's so much drama like circulating. And um I think it's so interesting because well first of all Matt Nagy I always want to call him Charles Nagy <laughs> <former> <laughs> <Indian pitcher. laughs> like so if I do that like I apologize in advance like I just it's just Charles he should be Charles
1: um maybe we'll just call him Charles, Charles. from here on out y- he
0: I, yeah I Charles in charge Charles in charge oh, Charles is not in day. charge if that
1: would be right? um
0: but yeah so I thought it was so interesting that the storylines coming out of that game like the Browns actually caused like they caused a lot of turmoil for this other football team when in the past we've been on the receiving end. So there is the whole story about like the sabotage, but I, I just really can't buy into that because he has to know his jobs on the line. I mean, it was, it was on the line last year, and it felt like drafting this quarterback and, you know, getting, getting him on track was really his lifeline. So I just can't imagine that he would be willing to risk his job. I mean, there's no guaranteed job in the NFL. Like if he were to get fired or to get, not make it through the season or get fired in the off season, there's no guarantee he lands somewhere else, especially after what's been going on. But the, the Reddit board for the bears, I mean, Meredith, it is like maybe the saddest thing that I've ever seen. It's sadder than the Pittsburgh Steelers Reddit board right now. And, but I actually find enjoyment in the Steelers Reddit board to an extent, the, the Bears won. I mean, I sent you guys the snapshot from Sunday night and I just have to share with our listeners. So I'm going to try to explain this. So at the beginning of the game, when the score was tied three to three, which was so bizarre that it felt like our offense was just sputtering. But the game was tied and Matt Nagy was on the sideline, like crouched down in like a oh, deep, yes. a deep squat. And I think he has like these, he's got like the bald head out. I mean, he looks like a total dad with his sunglasses (laughs) and he looks super intense. And so one of the Reddit users put a screenshot of that picture out and said genius at work. And obviously this was (laughs) happening at the time when, when the game was tied and obviously the Browns were favored, blah, 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 blah. So then obviously the game ends and we all know how it ends. What happened? It was not good. A Reddit user commented underneath the photo, and again, let me just remind you, he was in a deep squat bent over with his hands on his knees. (laughs) The Reddit user responded and said, nah, that's just Matt Nagy taking a dump on his playbook (laughs)
1: and picking whatever play the turd lands on. That's right. I remember you sent that to us. I was dying. It was so funny. I have never laughed so hard in my entire life because it almost felt like that's what he was doing. I mean, kind of. (laughs) And it's so strange to me that every play was just designed so poorly. It was
0: like designed for for, Justin Fields. Yeah, it was like he was running the Andy Dalton playbook and they are not the same quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that that's always kind of bothered me when head coaches do that. And I think I've talked, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or elsewhere, but that was my biggest issue with um, Kyle Shanahan when he was coaching in D.C. Or no, not Kyle, his dad. When, when Papa Shanahan was coaching in D.C. And he took the stance of, well, my scheme has won the Super Bowl. It's the best scheme. I can win a Super Bowl with this scheme. I've done it before. Watch me, and then they go and they draft RG three, who was not meant for this scheme. Right. Like he had a really good rookie year, but then just completely fell off. Although I have my own theories about why he fell off. Um, if I like my my, this is complete speculation. Uh, I do not know this for sure, but this is my conspiracy theory that I think that Robert Griffin the third is just so insufferable that his line didn't want to block for him. <laughs> Like, that's, that's my conspiracy theory. Like I said, it's completely speculation, no insider information. This is information. another 3 a.m. thought. Or yeah, exactly. Your, your early morning thought. Exactly. So that was the irritation that I had with, with Shanahan when he was coaching in D.C. And he was just like, this is my scheme, and I'm going to force these players into this scheme because this is a Super Bowl winning, you know, and it just, it didn't work. And the Washington football team has just been garbage, and they've barely been able to recover. But yeah, and that's kind of how it felt a little bit with Matt Nagy is that, you know, he had this idea like, oh, this is going to be the winning scheme. And it's not, especially when your quarterback doesn't really know that playbook, or it's not geared towards that quarterback. And I think that again, proves what we've discussed in the past of stop using the whole system quarterback term as a way to undermine baker mayfield's abilities because every quarterback is a system quarterback if you don't build your offense for your quarterback's strengths you're gonna have a bad time yes and that's what happened to the bears on sunday so stop calling baker a system quarterback right because every quarterback is a system quarterback yes
0: well and so getting back to the defense specifically um because miles garrett actually called this out in one of his post game pressers that like they were fully anticipating Justin Fields to be mobile, and then when he wasn't, and they kept doing the same things, they were like, Okay, this is easy. <laughs> and clearly, <laughs> and clearly, it was because my easy mode, yeah, yeah. He set a franchise single game sack record with four and a half. Jadavian Clowney got two sacks. I mean, it was like sacks for everyone, sacks, Jeremiah
1: Osukora. got half a sack. Um. I think Tack McKinley. McKinley got yep. half a sack. Yeah, yeah. Like literally and everyone.
0: So it was just a complete, like, dominant. That's why it feels like the game should have been way – like, it should have been a way higher score, in my opinion. But um, Miles Garrett, I just want to point out, point out that he, he did his press conference on Friday without a shirt on, called out all of his teammates like a savage that he is, and then he put out that performance on the field. So I'm just saying, Meredith – there may be something to Miles Garrett just showing up to press conferences without shirts on. Like I fully expect this to be a trend. Like J.R. Yeah. Smith, remember when he won yes. the championship game and then he just didn't wear a shirt for like months after? <laughs> yes. This is what I expect.
1: Yeah, I think the shirt came off at the uh, championship parade and just never went, never back, went on. back on. Never went back on. No. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't. And well, now it's, it's a superstition. Like it, it's a you, you can't wear a shirt now miles i don't know if he knows that it it's a superstition but in my head yeah wrong. so if miles garrett shows up to a press conference although he may not speak on friday but if he's speaking on friday and he shows up without it with a shirt on then we should be nervous yes for sunday i will be
0: Um, So just to touch on a couple of more things. So we talked about JOK. So he was the, I believe, the highest rated linebacker um, in the league via PFF this week as a rookie, 93.9 rating. And he actually increased his snap count from the last, from the previous two games. Um, And he also won rookie of the week. So I wish Brittany was here for this episode because she would be running her her victory laps all day long. But Hashtag I mean, Mollis was right. What a steal in the draft. I mean, talk about a guy that has been able to come in and make an immediate impact. And this is after, two, like missing a pretty significant amount of training camp time.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things that makes JOK so dangerous is that he's fast. Yeah. Yeah, like because a lot of times defensive players, they are on the bigger side with good reason because mm-hmm. they need to take down other players. Like that's their job. Offensive linemen and, you know, defensive backs are always Big dudes and J.O.K. is they're big, big, but like that's one of the things that makes Miles Garrett so dangerous and Jadavion Clowney so dangerous. And now J.O.K. is that they are all fast. Like, sorry, Lama's just like I heard her ringing the bell. She's like, Yes, I agree. Yeah, she was nodding her head, and that's why—that's <laughs> what you heard was the bell on her collar from her nodding her head so vigorously. But yeah, like Jaden Clowney will like he'll mess up plays just because he's so fast. And Miles Garrett is like I don't know how that man is almost three hundred pounds with zero percent body fat. Like he is a freak of nature. But that is one of the things that makes Jok so dangerous is that he is fast, and that's his speed. And I I wonder, and I wish we had the ability to ask Andrew Barry about this, but I feel like that had to have been one of the things that drew him to drafting JOK was the fact that he is big and strong and very, very fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many NFL teams got, got him wrong, right? Like all of them, every yeah, single one, not knowing one how to utilize for... him, like saying that he was too small. I mean, I'm just so happy that he was there for us still at that point in time, because, because Andrew Barry at this point looks like he hit on Greg Newsome as well as his first round pick. Like Mm -hmm. he is performing at a very high level as a rookie at the cornerback position.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's exactly what we expected Andrew Barry to do, because one of the, the first thing he prioritized when he took over the Browns was the offensive line, because he knew knew that Baker Mayfield needed to be protected. Like that was his goal was build up the offense around baker mayfield and once he did that he said okay now we can worry about the defense and he did and yeah it's just it it is mind-boggling because to me i feel like scouting has to be one of the most oh my gosh difficult jobs in the nfl not just because of getting things wrong or the idea of getting things wrong it's just there are so many places that you can look you can you you know you've got your power five d1 schools you've got 1AA schools in places like Appalachian State and James Madison and, you know, some of those uh, smaller schools. You've got Mac. You've got triple, like, D3 schools. You've got JUCO. Like, there are so... Like, and even if they wanted to, although I don't know this that this really happens that much, but if they wanted to, they could even pluck out of the Canadian Football League. Like, there are so many places to find really, really talented football players. And I just don't know how you keep it all straight. Like, how do you watch that much film and that many games and and from that many sources and be able to look at a guy and say okay yeah that one's going to be successful in the nfl i don't know it's mind boggling and so far andrew barry has knocked it out he makes it look easy yeah i don't know how he does it i'm just i am in awe of aaron andrew barry
0: yes i agree Um, So I just want to ask you this question because obviously Mm -hmm. the Browns are going to be facing the Vikings on Sunday, which is a matchup that I mean, I think we are all anticipating knowing that that was Kevin Stefanski's former team and he is returning. So I'm I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I think this kind of goes hand in hand. They're obviously going to be facing more of an explosive offense with a veteran quarterback and Kirk Cousins, and they're having a pretty solid offensive performance this year. So you know, should we be expecting this type of dominant performance from the defense again? Or was this really just a feast on a rookie quarterback? Or was it more of a, okay, we're starting to get into the scheme that Joe Woods wants to run. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is not mobile, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, with Patrick Mahomes, there's always that threat that you, it's almost a bad thing to Try to blitz him. um, And then you obviously were playing against, um, why am I blanking on who they played in the second game? Tyrod. Tyrod. Oh my gosh, I was there. Yes, another mobile (laughs) quarterback. So I I feel like, you know, it's different in a sense of you don't really have the mobility to worry about, but you do have some explosive offensive weapons that Kirk Cousins is going to be throwing to. So I'm interested to see how they scheme up this week's game plan. But, you know, do we need to calm down a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think the the Browns and the Vikings are a lot more evenly matched than the Browns and the Bears. And on top of that, the the Vikings are still running a similar offense that that Kevin Stefanski ran when he was there and he took a lot of what he was doing in Minnesota to Cleveland. So, you know, it, it might almost be like a mirror image of each other. It might be two teams <laughs> running the same it's offense be the or similar. Meme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I, I mean, the Browns are not going to get nine sacks this week. Like that's just not going to happen. I think that, oh my God, it would be sexy. <laughs> Poor Kirk Cousins, if that happens. But I think the Browns really needed a breakout game to kind of find their confidence because I think that the Browns the yes. defense confidence was definitely not there. Like they're still struggling to find their chemistry and, you know, that's not going to come right away. It's going It's going to take a few weeks. So you have these players who are all playing together for the first time. um, You do have a lot of new guys in terms of rookies. You have new guys who are veterans in the league, but hadn't been playing on this team like Troy Hill and John Johnson and Tack McKinley and Malik Jackson. Like those guys are all, you know, they're veterans, but they're new. So you've got this, this defense that needs to find its chemistry and it's not going to happen right away. And the fact that they struggled the first two weeks didn't really help. So having a breakout game this early in the season, I think is the confidence boost that they needed. But I do think they are going to come back down to earth this week. I think that what happened in the bears game is what this defensive potential is. Like, I think that that is the defense that, that that team can grow into seeing every single week. And it's not going to happen quite yet. I expect that kind of performance week in, week out in the latter half of the season. Yes. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's going to happen this weekend, but I do think that they are going to be better.
0: Yeah, um, it does look like... Better than like, they were in
1: week one and week two.
0: I mean, it does look like the offensive line for Minnesota is not that great, like pretty average. So I do feel like that that is something that you would hope that the Browns could capitalize on, knowing how strong the defensive line looked this past week. So... I would hope that they would be exploiting that that mismatch, um, and, and you know, obviously with Greg Newsom being out uh, on Sunday, which that was just rolled um, today, you know, there's obviously Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson that you have to worry about from a receiving end perspective. So Denzel Ward's gonna have his work cut out to him. Greedy Williams, um, who hasn't really played a ton of snaps, is gonna be called upon to stop some pretty explosive weapons on that side of the ball. So I think we just have to maybe remind ourselves, we're not going to hold every team to a three and out every yeah. possession, right? Like teams are going to move the ball down the field and probably score, right? The hope is that we hold them to a field goal, if anything. And, and right. we do have, we have stops when they're most important. So I, you know, I think cleaning up some of the penalties that we've experienced. I think the the John Johnson pass interference call was was BS, quite frankly. That was not pass interference. I don't think that was so he should have been called for that. But you know, we still have had a ton of um, penalties on defense too that that have been like pretty had made a pretty big impact on drives that have then continued the momentum for the offense. So, I'd like to see those things cleaned up as we continue down this stretch.
1: Yeah, like especially the. The um, the offsides like those yes. are the ones, and they didn't really have a lot of that against the Bears, but that was a big factor in the first two the weeks. That game, there were, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of offsides penalties, and those are all mental. Um, and I don't really get mad at holding penalties because I've heard from multiple former NFL players that they're pretty much instructed to hold. Every yeah. single play. And it's just whether or not the ref is going to call is gonna it. going to see it, yep. Yeah, exactly. So I, because I, I know, who was it? I think Jack Conklin had a pretty detrimental holding call at one point on Sunday. And I think there was one other person that may have been on the defensive side. And it, it could have been a momentum shift had the Browns not completely dominated that game. So I don't get mad at holding calls because I know why they do it. But yeah, like false starts, offsides, like those little, like, you know, illegal shifts, like, those those mental errors can't happen so that is one thing they did not have those I don't think they had any penalties like that at all in the Bears game so I hope moving forward they continue the pattern of no offsides like nothing makes me angrier than an offsides penalty because I know it's a mental thing and it's like just get your get your head in the game and stop jumping the snap yes yes let's
0: move on to the offense a little bit and then we will hopefully get you guys out of here so The offense was weird on Sunday. (laughs) I I don't know how else to explain, like, watching them perform. You almost got, I don't know about you, but you almost had, like, this feeling in your stomach, like, oh, no. Like... We're not going to, like, this is not going to be a letdown game, is it? But
1: Well, the first two drives were terrifying because they... Horrible. Yeah, because not only... Fourth down. Yeah, because they were were in fourth down situations in both of those drives, and they failed to convert. And it wasn't even just like a fail to
0: convert. It was like a, like, the play just exploded. It fell apart, yeah. It was, something was way, way off with the offense on Sunday. And... You know, I do think we have to give credit to the Bears defense because I do think they have a pretty solid defense. So it's not like we were going up against a really bad team. I think on the other side of the ball, yes. But from a defense's perspective, like, they kept that team in the game for as long as they possibly could.
1: Well, I mean, and it didn't hurt that Khalil Mack left the game uh, around halfway through with an injury. Yeah, the Browns Um, have had some, like, I don't know, like... Luck? Luck? Uh, which yeah. also like, like never
0: happens like Teron Matthew yeah. not playing like from the chiefs and then Terod not playing for the entire second half. like yeah it's it's been some interesting I don't know is it luck like it...
1: yeah you don't want <laughs> think that control, because cool you, you know I know because you don't like you don't want to say it's lucky when a player gets hurt because you never want that to happen right but yeah it's like it, oh, so in in hockey they call them like bounces because the the puck can the puck hits the ice weird and it goes in unpredictable directions. And so a lot of times they'll call things puck luck, whether it bounces in a place where the goalie can't see it and someone's able to to get a goal off of it or in or or it'll bounce and cause a turnover. Like it's called puck luck. And that's almost like what it feels like it's like the hockey puck is bouncing in the favor of the Browns. Yes. Yeah. That is what it feels like. Um but again, like, I'm still distraught that Tyron Taylor is hurt. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, know. I'm so I just upset feel for about him. It. He is just he he can't stay healthy. And if he if he stayed healthy, I feel like he would probably be. He would probably be a starting quarterback taking a team to the playoffs, like definitely not the Browns, because he was he was basically signed to just be a mentor to baker mayfield like they they signed tyrod to a one year deal the same year that that baker mayfield is drafted like like as happy as i was i knew that tyrod wasn't going to be the long-term answer for the browns but yeah elsewhere anyway i'll get off the tyrod subject because it just it makes me so sad and i can't help but bring it up no you're fine well so because
0: we had such a like weird offensive start I mean we obviously scored a touchdown going into halftime which I think was critical into like getting them that was huge momentum shift yeah getting them kind of back on track and obviously like I trusted Kevin Stefanski to make the adjustments at halftime as well which clearly that happened the Bears made they just kept doing what they were doing
1: I was like so yeah right they were just like "Eh, this isn't working but Let's just keep doing it. Like they were, they were calling Ben Roethlisberger plays for Justin Fields. <laughs> he just stands there and does nothing. So Kareem
0: Hunt was really the explosion that happened in the second half. I mean, he finished the day with twenty-two carries for eighty-four yards, six receptions, seventy-four yards. And Nick Chubb kind of had an off day, if you want to call an off day, of yeah. still having eighty-four yards on the ground, like he just the two of them together I just I absolutely love how they feed off of each other and if one of them is having a harder time getting yards the other one is like I got this no worries like I'm gonna pick you up
1: yeah so at one point during the game and I remember it was towards either in the like late in the third or early in the fourth there was a point in the game where Kareem Hunt was the leader in both rushing and receiving yards in the game and I was like so excited and so I was about to tweet it out I was like oh my god this is a really cool fact that you know that Kareem is leading and receiving he's got more receiving yards at OBJ he's got more rushing yards than Nick Chubb this is so cool so then I was about to tweet it out and then Nick Chubb just ripped off like a three-yard run, a four-yard run, and then like a 14-yard run. <laughs> and with that, he pulled ahead in in leading the rushing yards. And Kareem Hunt wound up being second in both rushing and receiving at the end of the day. And then Baker was third in rushing, which I also thought was kind of a cool stat. But I was, I was like, oh, Nick Chubb, I was about to rip off a really cool tweet, and then you ruined it. <laughs> i mean it's a good thing like
0: we're happy about it that. is yeah no then. i'm
1: not i'm not mad but i was just like i i actually think i did get the tweet off and then nick chubb ran for 14 yards and i was like well not anymore Void. and I, del- I deleted it Void. um i don't delete tweets often but i was like uh no this is dumb i'm gonna delete
0: <laughs> oh meredith it was fun it was fun in the moment
1: yeah but it was like it was really really cool because i also made a comment that you know one of the questions going into Sunday was who is going to fill the space of Jarvis Landry because OBJ is not the Jarvis replacement just because they are two completely different receivers and they have different styles of play and they are used for different things in the offense. Like you're not going to use OBJ in the same way that you use Jarvis. And so that was a question was how do you replace Jarvis Landry on the field? And I was looking at this and I'm like, they they're replacing him with Kareem Hunt. Like we've got a, a running back that is filling the role of what Jarvis Landry would have been on the field. And it was just, it was a really, really fun thing to see that because it just shows how versatile Kareem Hunt is. And I remember, I think like one of our pods preseason, we were talking about elite and I was really on the train of Nick Chubb being elite and then Kareem Hunt being good but not great. But this game, this past game kind of changed my mind and I don't, I wouldn't necessarily call him an elite running back, but I would call him just an elite football player in general because of what he was able to contribute on the field and also shout out Kareem Hunt helped me to a fantasy football victory because oh, I had him yeah, starting. There you go. Him and Devontae Adams, man, like they're, they're the reason I, I won my matchup this week. But the fact that he was just in, able to contribute in so many different ways and so many different places, that is like, talk about a steal because he's also on a very team friendly contract. He's on like a one year, $1 million or $2 million, or something like that. Like he's on a very, very low contract. And I know it's just because, you know, he had some things to prove off the field, which I believe he has. Yeah. And that's. Like, I cannot wait for Jarvis Landry to come back. But I have a feeling that the Browns offense isn't going to be missing Jarvis as much as we thought because you have this running back who was able to catch the ball the way he was able to catch it on Sunday. Yeah,
0: and he's just so different than Nick Chubb. You know, I love both of them. But I also love the fact that they both bring completely different skill sets to the table at their Mm -hmm. position. And it looked like, the Bears were completely prepared for Nick Chubb. You know, he wasn't he wasn't mm-hmm. getting the cuts or finding the holes that he typically does. I mean, they were pretty much stuffing him at the line and sometimes for losses. But then you have Kareem Hunton there who is a threat from a receiver standpoint and who just runs completely differently. And they clearly could not stop him. And I love the fact that Kevin Stefanski recognized that and was like, "Okay, it's going to be a Kareem day for the rest of this half." And then you had Nick Chubb come in there like when he was needed and then they have to readjust again. I mean, this keeps the defenses on their toes. And this is a luxury. Like, yeah. We have a luxury in Cleveland with these two running backs and not other like no other team has that. I mean, Pittsburgh barely has a run game. Like they and they drafted one.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb being so dangerous. It's the fact that, you know, Austin Hooper got a receiving touchdown. you got tight ends that can catch the ball. you got a tight, you know, David Njoku due for a breakout, but you've got... Still waiting, David. (laughs) I know. But, you know, Kevin Stefanski and his utilization of the fullback is something that's completely new and different. And you've got these tight ends that are able, you know, they're not... Travis Kelsey George Kittle level but they're good enough and it's one of those things where I think one of the reasons why Nick Chubb was able to rip off some of those runs toward the end of the game is because the defense started focusing on Kareem Hunt because he was having a day and then that's what gave Nick Chubb the hole to break through and scheming for the Browns offense is so difficult right now because you've got people like Odell Beckham Jr. that when he is in the vicinity of the ball he's going to catch it. You've got a player like Kareem Hunt and you never know whether he's going to be a receiver or or a running back at this point. yeah You know, you got Nick Chubb where if you give him an inch he's going to take a mile. Then you've got tight ends that can catch the ball, you got fullbacks that can catch the ball. Like and it's one of those things where if you're your defense You can't just sit there and say, well, I'm not going to worry about Nick Chubb. I'm not going to worry about Odell Beckham Jr. I'm going to focus on Kareem Hunt or I'm going to focus on Austin Hooper. I'm going to focus on Hollywood Higgins. They can't because if you leave OBJ open, he's going to be gone. If you leave Nick Chubb open, he's going to be gone. So even though the offense did kind of have an off day, just the thinking – I don't know. I feel like if I was a defensive coordinator on any team facing the Browns this year, I would be terrified for that very reason, because you obviously have to worry about OBJ, Nick Chubb, Jarvis when he's on the field. You know, now they're seeing what Kareem Hunt is capable of. So they're like, oh, crap. Well, let's design our defenses for those guys. And then all of a sudden, Austin Hooper gets a receiving touchdown. You know, like, right. what What do you do? And this is this is just so exciting. Like, I yeah. like I, I'm like, shaking because I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I actually love, like,
0: how their teammates talk about them as well. Like, so Baker Mayfield in his press conference, they talked a lot about, his like, Kareem's angry runs and, like, how mm-hmm. he runs angry. Like, it's the last time he's ever going to carry a football, and it's so true. Like, he, yeah. he does look like that. And then Baker called him the Tasmanian devil, which, like, <laughs> yes. I absolutely love because he just, like, bounces off of people and spins and, like, he's yeah. just – out of control like there's no fear no fear at all every time he has the ball like oh my god I cringe because I'm like he gets hit so hard and he just
1: like bounces yeah and that was another thing that Baker said in his press conference today is that Kareem Hunt is willing to sacrifice his body like he just doesn't care Mm -hmm. (laughs) like he will run straight on into an Aaron Donald type player Because he doesn't care. He just wants to get that first down or get that touchdown or just get to wherever he's going. So yeah, not only calling him the Tasmanian devil, just saying like this, this dude's willing to sacrifice his body for the team. And, you know, I think that I I think that's just Kareem Hunt knowing that he has a lot to prove. Like he, I, I think at this point we've all gained confidence in him off the field because, you know, outside of, I don't know, like a speeding ticket and then like a little tussle at the nine, um... You know, other than that, he has had zero off the field issues, so he's proved it there. But now I feel like he also feels like he needs to prove it on the field too. Yes. Did you happen to see? Did
0: you happen to catch the NFL films miked up of yes. Kareem this week? Oh my God! Yes. Why are him and Nick Chubb so wholesome together? Like I, I love it. Love
1: them so much. I know it's like um like a kids show. Almost. They're so cute together. I know. I just and I love that they get together or that they get along that yes, well. They're not jealous like,
0: of each other or like mad yeah, about their carries. Because I mean... I'm sure
1: like everyone has coworkers that they don't mind, that they get along with, but they're not people that you're gonna joke around with or tell them how your weekend was. You know, you're not gonna have like you can have a coworker that you like and appreciate, but you don't have a personal relationship yes. with. But Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have that personal relationship and they h- both have this mindset of, you know, anything to win, which yes. means, you know, if it's if it means giving Kareem Hunt all carries, then they're going to, you know, then Nick Chubb is going to let that happen if it means, you know, giving Nick Chubb the ball when he needs the ball. Like, yeah, they just they just want the best for each other. They're besties yes. in the best way. And it's yeah, it's great. One just happens to talk more than the other. Yes. One talks enough for both of them. Yeah, There you go.
0: Um, and then you touched on it a little bit, but this was obviously OBJ's welcome back game. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought like he was there, like it was kind of a quiet welcome back game, but not really like it was quiet, but in a good way. So he ended the game with five receptions for 77 yards, um, no touchdowns, but it didn't feel forced. And maybe a couple of throws like very minimal like it just felt like obj was just part of the offense and it wasn't like it wasn't something that you paid much attention to
1: it wasn't the obj show
0: right but he also made like meaningful catches and meaningful plays i think every single one of his receptions went for a first down if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah and i think baker was five for five in in his obj targets
0: so that is like one thing that I am just really happy to see because I was I am not prepared for the whole narrative to kick back up if Baker performed poorly with OBJ on the field to have the whole like, Ugh, he's better yeah. off without him. No, I think Sunday proved how impactful having OBJ on the field can be. And, and yeah. like the catches that he made and the threat of him being there and then he had that. He had
1: that run as well that went for 10 yards. I mean, yeah, that was another thing that I thought was really cool. And I think I tweeted about that as well, is that at one point and within like the same series, Kareem Hunt was being used as a wide receiver and Odell Beckham Jr. was being used as a running back. Love like, yeah, like we didn't see any of those banana plays that Kevin Stefanski is so famous for, but we still saw creativity in the in the offensive playbook which you know was the way he used Kareem and the way he used Odell Beckham Jr. like I loved seeing that yes I agree and I
0: think this is really just a start of what Stefanski has planned for OBJ and I mean OBJ said it like he just wants to win like he's Mm -hmm. willing to do whatever the team wants and however he needs to fit into this offense in order for the team to win
1: yeah exactly love it Okay, and having it. Yeah. And having him on the field, it draws defenders away from people like Kareem Hunt, which gives him yes. the opportunity yes. to do what he did on Sunday. So, so many even weapons. If, yeah. So even if, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't, you know, have 150 yard receiving games and, you know, 10 touchdowns and, and whatever, whatever, just having him on the field thins out the other team's defense. Yes, I agree. So Meredith, I'm gonna
0: end the show with I think something you'll be very happy about. Oh dear! And I posed this question on Twitter on Sunday, and I'm not trying to drink jinx anything. People were like, "Calm down. <sighs> Do we have a kicker? <sighs> Chase McLaughlin, four for four.
1: And those were some those and were some difficult field goals too.
0: Yarder Cody yeah, Parker could
1: never. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like he's you know going four for four, but they're all on extra points. They were like, yeah, 50. There was like a 41 yard, a 57 yard. Like he was kicking the long ball. And you know what? I freaking hope so. Like, I hope that he is like Justin Tucker incarnate because that's one thing that it's it's like, it's a little luxury to have a consistent kicker because it's one of those things where you don't think about it until you have to worry about it. And if you don't have to worry, then you're not – because as much as I loved per- Perfect Parky last year, there were moments where when they're like, all right, we're going to kick a field goal, I was holding my breath. <laughs> yeah, You know, like uh, even even kicking point afters, I was like, oh, my God. do Like, uh, you know, the, which are like routine. Those are like free throw shots to NBA players. Like you should be able to hit them every single time, but – I still, as much as I love Cody Parkey, I was holding my breath a lot last year. And I did that a little bit with Chase on Sunday, but I don't know. Like, I guess he must have ate his chub crunch that morning too. Yeah. Because if if he can continue that consistency, that's just going to be something down the stretch where you don't need to worry about it. Like the, the Ravens had a walk off field goal for 66 yards and they won by two points. Like if the Browns are in that situation down the stretch and you've got someone like Chase McLaughlin that you can trust, like that's huge. That's so huge. I I don't know that there's a single Baltimore fan that was worried. I mean, they may right. have been a little worried, but you know, you know, Justin Tucker comes up to the tee and you know, they can relax and sip their beers. So hopefully I don't want to jinx anything either because kickers get hot and cold, and when they're cold, they're very cold. Yes. Like There's no in between. So, I so I'm surprised. Cautiously,
0: you cautiously optimistic. I'm surprised you didn't do this, but after that performance, I picked him up as my kicker on my fantasy team. Oh, you did? I and... did. We'll oh, see. We'll see. I hope that. Okay. You want to know? Why, you want to
1: know why I didn't? And you're gonna laugh at me, and you're gonna have to help me once we are stop recording. I can't figure out where the waiver wire is (laughs) (laughs) I can't so I had I had I had two guys on my team Gus Edwards and one other guy who was out for the season. like I drafted them and then they're out for the season with whatever injury so I dropped them both because I was like there's no point in even having them on my bench yes and I was like okay well I can pick up some guys from the waiver wire because you know fantasy football is also always one on the waiver wire and I'm like going through every (laughs) single effing like click thing that I can possibly click in in the app and i was like how wh- where's the waiver wire i'll help you where- i'll help you oh <laughs> it's easy you just gotta go to the players you gotta go to the players section
0: okay you have I the app like- <laughs> okay i'll walk like- you through i'll walk you through after this well speaking of fantasy football, there's one thing yeah. i want to mention so we've been doing our like weekly um DraftKings like showdown mm-hmm. mode yeah um back with the vengeance and it's been pretty fun so far although The last two weeks, I have finished in the bottom, like, 15 and 10. Like, really, really really? bad. Yeah, I actually had Justin Fields as my captain this week. But I was like, hey, like, you guys can all thank me for that. Because I jinxed him.
1: (laughs) So that's the way that I'm looking at it. Yeah, you manifested some shit. Because you were like, oh, I hope he has a bad time. And he had a bad time. And then you picked him as your captain. What am I doing? I'm contradicting myself, my own thoughts. (laughs) Um,
0: but I have to say so I introduced it to my parents um for the first time like they've never played before and so yeah. you know I was like why don't you guys like join? It's fun. You know, we need some people to fill some slots. So my mom and my dad, they do it together. And Oh my god,
1: that's so cute. Yes,
0: it is. And it's funny because so like they're rotating like who gets to pick the lineup each week. So last week mm-hmm. it was my mom's turn and my dad was like, "But we have to consult on the captain." <laughs> so they have like a whole formal like roster analysis going
1: on the couple that does fantasy football together stays together I love it I love
0: it so much it is it is fun so if you guys have not um, joined our weekly showdown um, be on the lookout for that I typically tweet out the link on Saturdays Um, it's a private group so we can avoid all of the like bots and people that automate things mm-hmm. and do this for a living to scam people out of money um so it's fun. it's a dollar entry we don't get anything from this this is truly just us wanting to play against people on twitter people that mm-hmm. like the brown yeah it's yeah. fun you just pick players from the browns and the team that we're playing against their opponent and it's a lot of fun and
1: i haven't won yet so it's not a lot of fun. i know yeah, but yeah,
0: <laughs> i'm yeah, having fun the- losing
1: yeah because one of the things that made it fun when we were doing it last year i haven't seen it as much this year but it's only week three but One of the things that made it fun last year was the people on Twitter who were playing with us, like they would like screenshot their, yeah, their, their, uh, their matchups and like have some like really healthy civil trash talk. Like it was fun. Like, uh, I forget who it was, but I don't know. There was always, there was one person who would always screenshot something and like tease me about I don't know what, but I got a kick out of it because I know it was all in good fun. So that's like that's one of the reasons why we do it, because doing a fantasy football league with people from like wanting to open up something from Twitter would be way too many people to, you know, to have like a traditional like PPR league or anything like that. So that's what makes the the showdown mode in DraftKings so much fun is that you can open it up to a large amount of people and it's week to week.
0: Yes. Yep. Yep. So be on the lookout for that. Um, So that is, that's it for tonight, Meredith. We will, uh, we were happy to be back this week. Uh, Hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll be back next week as well. Get on a more consistent schedule, but you know, life happens. I lost my voice a little bit last week. So I was really struggling to talk. You guys would not have enjoyed how I sounded. Uh, So we're looking forward to watching the Browns play on Sunday. Hopefully coming out with another victory. If not, we'll cry about it together. So we're here for you. That's it. Go Browns. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Apple, iTunes, same thing. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever (laughs) you guys listen to your podcasts. Send us a rating and review. Tweet at us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll chat with you guys all next week.